I love smoothies, but I don't love smoothie bar prices. With my Blendjet 2 Portable Blender, I can make smoothie bar quality beverages for a fraction of the price. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet, Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. And it lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you are good to go. With over 30 plus colours and patterns to choose from, there's a Blendjet 2 to complement just about any style. Go to Blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code AsianTan12 to get 12% off your order and free 2-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power and innovation of Blendjet. They guarantee you love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to Blendjet.com and use the code AdrianTan12 to get 12% off your order and free 2-day shipping. Hello everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Adrian Tan Show, where we discuss the latest developments and trends in the world of work. Today we are talking about the hot topic of hybrid work and the recent push by many companies to return to the office. The pandemic has forced many organisations to adopt remote work, but as the world begins to recover, some are now urging their employees to return to the workplace. However, the reality is that hybrid work, a combination of remote and in-office work, may be here to stay. In this episode, we'll explore the advantages and disadvantages of hybrid work, the challenges that come with implementing it and what it means for the future of work. So sit back, relax and join us as we delve into the topic of hybrid work and the return to the office. Together with my guest, Dan Van Rossum. He is the CEO at FlexOS, the platform that helps companies in Southeast Asia get people together again in the world of hybrid work, all to help them with the key challenge to attract, engage and retain the best talent in this market. Hey, Dan, welcome onto the podcast. Great to be here, Adrian. The recent UOB survey actually shows that half of Singaporeans are going back to office to work full-time, despite over 80% of them preferring flexible working arrangements. But maybe we can take a step back and help the audience to better understand how this whole remote work thing came about. The really interesting thing here is that we already had the technology to be working remotely for quite a long time. There were obviously already a lot of thought leaders and some innovative companies that already had moved to more remote or more hybrid ways of working. But it really took the pandemic for other companies to realize that, hey, even though our employees are working from home, a lot of work still gets done and a lot of good work still gets done. And I think that kind of opened everyone's eyes to the fact that, yes, we can be working more flexibly. On top of that, a lot of employees for the first time got a sense for what it's really like to have more control over when and where to work and obviously really enjoyed it, right? I think all the research is very clear on that the employees really like it um, and came back after COVID, end of circuit breaker, when offices started opening up again, came back with this idea of why would I need to be in an office full time? I have all these benefits of working from home, at least partially. So why can we not continue that? So I think that's really the backdrop for where we're getting to today. Right now, as we go into the tail end of COVID, it appears companies are taking a huge U-turn to where we were before, asking a lot of employees to come back to office. In your opinion, why are employers looking at that since the previous arrangement of working remotely 
or working in some form of a hybrid setting seems to work well for businesses? Yeah, good question. I think there are really two things at play here. One is that it worked really well during the pandemic because we didn't have any other choice. So people were actually very productive. So Microsoft research shows that people were actually more productive during that first year of lockdowns, mostly because people felt like we need to get through this. My company needs to survive. I need to do my part. And people were actually working really hard, very productive. And a lot of the time that they were saving, for example, by not commuting into the office, they were really applying that to work. So people were very productive. Now coming out of that, we're trying to find this new way of working and we're settling somewhere in between. It's a little bit different. So I do think that that's why there is that sort of drop in productivity, or at least the sense that there's a drop in productivity. And that's obviously something that employers are really worried about. I cannot walk around the office floor and see that people are working and see that there is butts in seats. Then is there potential that people are not as productive as they could be? I think the other thing that we really have to look at here as well, when you look at that study from UOB, yeah, there's 50% of companies that have now moved back to full-time in the office, but there's obviously also still that other 50%. And the way that we see it is that, especially in the industries where there's a lot of competition for talent, i.e. where employers have to listen more to employees and what employees want, where they have to be more employee-centric, that's still where hybrid work and even remote work is very much like the leading way of working. So when we look at more competitive industries, when we look at startups, when we look at scale-ups, those kind of companies are pri primarily still on a hybrid schedule. And hybrid is also a really big spectrum. So that can range from anywhere from people being mostly at home all the way to people mostly in the office. A lot of those companies, other 50% are still in that hybrid way of working. There are companies in Britain that offers a salary premium for people to return to office or to work in jobs that actually require them to be in office because that is how the situation is like right now over in Britain. But I guess over in Singapore, let's look at the management aspect. As you mentioned, the inability for management to look at seats on chairs, to monitor people clanking at their keyboard seems to be inferring that jobs are not being done. Is that still really relevant in today's context? Should we really look at time spent, things like, oh, you should leave later than the boss? Are this true indication that only by doing so, you are delivering? The productivity topic is a very tough one, I think, for a lot of people. And as you know very well, there's always a bias towards how things were done before. There's always a bias to not changing things. And so I think for a lot of companies, again, where they can get away with it, where they don't have people saying, look, if you don't give me flexibility, I'll leave, which again is still the norm for a lot of companies. Um, they can get away with going back to the way that things were. And then you can run your business as you were running it before. And again, there's a lot of challenges in running business. So you have a lot of other things to worry about. So the last thing you want to do is embrace a totally new way of working, which and I totally, but is it really necessary? No. But the problem with something like productivity is that it was never really something that was something that we could measure really well, right? So if you look at the research, if you look at like how companies were looking at productivity, it was typically very much like either self-reported or peer-reported, which is very subjective in and of itself. And Satya Nadella, the CEO of Microsoft, calls what we're currently doing a little bit of productivity paranoia, right? Productivity paranoia, meaning that we had a sense that people were productive before because we could see them, right? We could see performance by walking around. 
And now we cannot see people anymore. And therefore, we just worry maybe unnecessarily that they're not productive. And actually, very few companies before COVID were set up to focus on outputs or on outcomes and make that measurable. And so therefore, there is an issue in, yeah, it's not necessary to be worrying about that in this day and age, but it is something that companies worry about. Do you think it is very challenging for companies to pivot from measuring time spent as a productivity measure to a result-only work environment? A result-only work environment is something that has been prophesized or rich for the longest time. There's actually a academic theory behind it in which the most important criteria for evaluating employee performance is the completion of satisfactory work on time. How or mm-hmm. where an employee complete work is not entirely important. Do you think it could be something that company explore and make that pivot across so that they might be a little less PTSD about where people spend their time? Definitely something that companies can explore. I think it really will depend on the kind of company and on whether or not they have that ability and also, again, that drive for whatever reason to go into that way. We definitely know that the best, uh, most innovative companies in the world that I think all of us look up to already have very much like a outcome or output focused kind of way of measuring productivity or measuring performance. We also see a lot of those companies embracing best practices around moving away from like annual performance cycles to more frequent um, performance reviews, focusing more on one-on-one relationships between the employee and their manager, focusing more on making managers really great coaches and therefore get better work out of people. So we do see a lot of those kind of companies embrace those ways of looking at something like performance and looking at something like productivity. But it doesn't mean that every company is ready for that change, right? When it comes to training middle managers to suddenly become coaches or taking a completely different approach to, for example, performance management, it will be painful and it will be something that companies have to choose and then put a lot of effort into achieving. I guess a lot also come from legacy baggages that current leaders may have because that has always been the way they have been measured when they were in their 20s or 30s. Everything is about time spent in the office and Mm -hmm. how you move on from there. Personally, I need to disclaim I am entirely result-driven, again, given what I do on a daily basis. So when I see things where companies have to measure things like, oh, whether you are on your computer. Uh, and I've even hear from some IT experts that companies even install Keylogger yeah. to company laptop just to make sure that you're tapping onto your keyboard. It's not going into sleep mode. How effective are this as a preemptive or preventive measure? Or how do you think the employees who are on the receiving end will take something like that. This is, again, really where the two types of companies will be very different, right? There will be companies where, for whatever reason, they either don't need to or don't have to or both be employee-centric. And so they will really focus on what does the company want? How does the company get that done? Maybe break up certain things that need to be achieved into smaller chunks and then do things like key log measuring. There's examples of where companies, they have access to your webcam and they will do snapshots throughout the day to see if you're actually focused on work. To me, that's like a race to the bottom of really using people as machines. I think let's really focus on that other set of companies that should be aspirational to everyone, which is really let's start with the fact that a company is nothing but a group of people, right? And what you really want to do is to empower those people, to motivate them, to align with them, to get them 
to be excited to be a part of what you're doing as a company. There needs to be a really strong company culture. There needs to really be a strong sense of, I want to commit myself emotionally. I want to spend my time on doing what the company in totality needs to do. And those kind of companies, they are the ones that are looking much more at people as like the amazing things that we are, right? What can we do together? And what kind of responsibility can you take within that? And again, there are so many good examples out there of companies that are really employee-centric, really focused on this needs to be a win-win um, for both sides, right? The company has certain goals, but you as a person, as a human being, you have certain goals as well. How can we align those and be on the journey together? And I think eventually those companies will win. And again, many studies show that companies with stronger cultures, companies who do better at employee engagement, companies who are more focused on the employee experience, outperform the companies that don't. So I think that's where the future is. For companies that are taking such a drastic measure to surveillance their people, to make sure that they're doing well, I guess it is also telltale signs on how they treat their people as well and how they actually perceive their people, regardless of what they write on the wall. I actually came across this joke recently about a couple of senior management telling their employees, oh, okay, every one of us have to return to work now. And then the employee replied, okay, I quit. And one of the senior leaders turned to the other, I told you we can lay off people without retrenching them. As we continue to see many companies doing massive layoff from the bigger ones like Microsoft, Google, to many other smaller businesses which are not being picked up by the radar, do you think there might be companies that is using all these drastic measures as a way to perhaps reduce their liability in providing a severance? I can't imagine that's not the case. 100%. Companies know, and we did our research in Singapore, 52% of employees in Singapore say, you know, if I don't have some kind of flexibility within the work that I do, I would consider quitting my job. So 100% employers know that if they want to get rid of a certain percentage of people, just making it less attractive to work for that company will create some let's call it organic outflow. And of course, that is a tactic that they're using. You have done quite a fair bit of research to understand what employees actually want. And obviously, one of the big part is they are looking at something which is more hybrid in nature. Perhaps you can help us to understand the motivation behind that. And under what circumstance do they think that is something most ideal for them? Looking at employees and what employees want is really critical for any company that wants to do well. Because company is that group of people that together are going to achieve something that no one else can. So starting with the employee, I think really is a must. And when we surveyed employees, so we did a, a survey in Singapore, which is statistically significant for the 4 million employees that were enjoying some kind of hybrid work. A couple of things that we really found, and it's very much aligned with the research that we're seeing in other markets as well. Number one, again, is that people really do want hybrid schedule, which really goes back to we are expected in a way to work more than ever. We all get messages maybe after working hours, maybe even on the weekends. I was at a workshop last weekend and heard about people bringing their laptops with them, even when they're on a trip, just in case they have to fix something that no one else in the team can do. So there's a lot of expectations. So therefore also employees say, look, I do want some flexibility on the other side to maybe have a few working from home days or control my own starting time or have that kind of flexibility. So I think that's really just like given that employees want that at this point in time. The genie is out of the bottle. We've experienced what it's like to work from home. We can suddenly go back to five days a week, nine to five. It just doesn't work. And the second part really is that, okay, 
So if employees can and want to work from home at certain times, the question really becomes when and why would they go back to the office? And that answer was very clear from the employee side. Number one is for collaboration, even though we can do a lot of things online, even recording a podcast. But at the end of the day, if you really want to have that magic of creating something together, offline collaboration works better. Number two, interestingly, focused work. So there's a lot of people who need that office set up to be able to focus, maybe something you cannot do at home. And obviously there we see some variances between age groups and demographics. And then three, really interestingly, especially for younger employees, is learning on the job. So a lot of our learning, and we've always known this in L&D, a lot of our learning comes from working alongside people, asking quick questions on the spot, getting repetitive feedback. And you typically don't have that when you're working from home because you don't want to keep sending messages on Teams or picking up calls just to ask quick questions. So learning on the job is a really big reason. And then we also asked employees, well, okay, that's the stuff that you need to do for your work. What are the things that would pull you in? So what is the stuff that if your employer would offer that, it's something that you maybe want to spend even more time in the office. And that was really clear. It's really kind of community, connection, it's other people. And the number one kind of way to connect with other people is in workshops, in learning and development, in well-being, in maybe even creative or social, but basically like moments where we can connect as people and do something together. And then finally, we ask people really talking about your employer offering you workshops, your employer offering you a certain type of schedule or a certain type of office to work in, what can we expect from you? And it actually turned out that a lot of people do want to take an active role in staying connected with their colleagues. So we actually saw that nine in 10 employees do want to take an active role in staying connected with, the, with their teams, staying connected with their broader company, with their colleagues, through small events, through get-togethers. Because I do think one thing we've really seen with all the benefits of working from home and all the benefits of having more control over how, when, and where you work, we all miss that sense of connection. We all miss the seamlessness of connecting with people when we're not in the office. So people are still motivated to make those moments of connection happen. Two things that people usually overlook under such arrangement is the fact that learning on the job is something very important. And a lot of time is really due to observation. I remember in my first job working as a customer service officer in the telco, a lot of time we learn based on what the person next to me said in response to the customer. And I would somehow embed those learnings into how I respond to my customer in the future. And these are things that obviously you won't be able to gather when you are working from home. Of course, it's also something prudent for companies to have a better understanding and appreciation of the fact that everyone may not be able to function similarly under a remote setting because by working hybrid or remotely, it means, okay, you have to work from home, but your home and my home may differ. You may stay in a mansion, I may stay in a walk-up apartment with other siblings, or that would actually have a material impact. All that has to come into play. And perhaps from the employer's end, that is something you may want to add as a filter if you are insistent on people to come to office. You want to look for people who don't really have such a conducive home to begin with. And that could be your interview question. Do you have a conducive home to work? from no okay <laughs> we would like to proceed you to the next round of interview and with all these learnings that you have shared with us and all the surveys that you have taken from this significant sample size how do you construct 
your own hybrid work practice within FlexOS? Yeah, so we we are very lucky to have a fairly small team. So I don't have the the big headaches that I think a lot of companies have when you're in the hundreds or in the thousands of employees. But I do think that the practices are very similar. It really comes back to being employee-centric, being human-centric, I would really say. Thinking about the fact that, hey, we don't just come to work just to make money. Now, I wouldn't say that people would still keep their jobs if I would say, hey, there's no salaries anymore. But there is so much more that we can get out of work than just money. And it really comes down to, again, having a sense of purpose, doing something meaningful, working with great people, right? The Gallup research has shown time and time again, especially now after COVID, that connection with people and having great colleagues is really a really big driver for being happy at work and doing well at work and therefore getting something out of work that's not just not just a salary. So companies will do really well to, again, really focus on, yes, I have things that I want as a company, but what does that employee want and what really drives them, what really motivates them? And so the way that we've summarized the best practices is that kind of like in three elements or sorry, in, in three key pillars, right? Number one really is really clear and good hybrid guidelines. So just so often companies are being too ambiguous. They're not being clear on what's expected from you and what can you expect from us and communicating that very clearly and making people also feel comfortable that, yes, I can be working from home and I don't have to be worried about Will people think that I'm not working? Um, we call that sort of like productivity anxiety. So very clear hybrid guidelines is really important. And linked to that, and this goes back to some of what you were just talking about, Adrian, great in-office days. So then also make sure that when you're asking people to come in at certain days per week, that those days are really purposeful and really meaningful. On those days, you do things you cannot do at home. On those days, you work kind of jobs that are way better done in the office, for example, collaboration, but also, again, the connection between humans so that when you're not working from home, when you're back to working from home, you then still have that sense of connection with your colleagues and you can do the work seamlessly on your not office day. So great hybrid guidelines and great in office days is really one big part. The other big part is really building an office, designing an office that facilitates all of that. So what are the things that you cannot do at home or that are harder to do at home, for example, great focused work for some people, how can you design the office so that you can facilitate that? And then the third pillar really is completely reimagined employee experience journey. So we know, again, from Gallup, the employee experience journey starts when you're just trying to find people all the way to when people graduate, when they become your alumni, um, and everything in between. And we really need to look at each stage of that employee journey and reimagine it for this new world of work. And especially in onboarding, especially in employee engagement, especially in performance management and development, so learning and development. And throughout that, we have to think about great company culture, DEI, well-being, and technology. And if we add all of that together, then we create an excellent hybrid workplace. One of the better books that I've read about creating a good hybrid workplace or virtual workplace is a book by Robert Glazer on how to thrive in the virtual workplace, simple and mm. effective tips for successful, productive and empowered remote work. So Robert Glazer runs Acceleration Partners, which is this affiliate marketing company, and he has 300 overhead counts around the world and he has been remote from day one. And one of the key aspects that really stood out from the book for me is the how clear the communication aspect is on the expectation from the company for the employees. List down exactly the time that you'll be available for meeting 
list down the time that you perhaps, oh, you need downtime from one to two to pick up your kids, to do something else. Just be extremely clear and transparent. That's how then people can have alignment on each other. And that is how we can also build trust. I really agree with that. And it goes back to this concept of good hybrid guidelines. There's so much more that needs to be captured in the new contract of how we work together than just which days are home days and which days are office days. We really have to think about what do we expect on those work from home days in terms of how quickly you respond to an email versus a Teams message versus a phone call. How do you let people know that you do have to step out for something, which again is totally fine. But if there's not that communication, if there's not that clarity, then it becomes very modeled. And I think that's really where most of the issues start to arise when it's, when it's just vague and unclear. And of course, no one likes it. Again, the employer doesn't like that. Employee doesn't like it here. And employees will just start making up their own rules because there's no clear Correct. rule book to begin with. Yeah. So my personal takeaway from this conversation is I think companies who are able to should definitely explore some form of hybrid work. Of course, they are having gone through this COVID period for two years plus. There are definitely some best practices, but ultimately you still have to do a bit of experimentation. Do not take anything wholesale, even even the best practices that Dan is currently applying in his office, I wouldn't suggest anyone just apply it wholesale. It would require a bit of conversation and understanding from your internal employees to understand exactly what is it that they want. And by having that transparent conversation, hopefully that would help you to build trust. And also to remind every one of us, if we were to use this opportunity to perhaps try to shrink our workplace or maybe just to arm twist our people in putting in more hours because the economic market seems to be going down. Know that bear market doesn't last long. <laughs> Bull market will eventually come back. And when it comes back, will remember. You in, yeah, and people will remember and you're going to bite you in the ass. If you want to have longevity in the business that you're running, there's definitely something to look at and think about. Before I let you go, Dan, anything else that you'd like to share with our audience about hybrid work and what they can do from the employee side as well as from the employer side. You just made the best points, probably better than I could have made it, which is that don't use this opportunity to switch back to how things used to be. You don't run a company just for the one, two years that we're in a recession. You run a company for the long run. You want to build a really great culture. I think best companies do well by their people when things are not going well. So do that. Be employee-centric. Focus on the human beings that are working in your company that are doing the work, that are making the things happen that the company has set out to do. And yes, hybrid can be part of that. Flexibility can be part of that. But I actually really think it comes back to a much bigger theme, which is that human centricity, that at the end of the day, we're all people, we're all human beings. We have our own motivations. And the more that the company's mission and the company's purpose and people's purpose can align, the better we'll all do. Thank you so much. And for people who are interested to learn more about yourself and what you do, where can they go to? If you want to get spammed about my thoughts on the future of work, then you can go to LinkedIn, search my name, Dan van Rossum, and you'll get it daily. Daily. Wow. Okay. Awesome. I will put this into the show notes. Dan, thank you so much for making time today from your busy schedule in Vietnam to share with us more about hybrid work and what employees actually want, as well as some of hybrid work best practices. And with that, wish you all continued success in your work over at FlexOS. Awesome. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you are using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this episode and podcast out to more people who may find it useful. I'll see you in the next episode of The Agent Hunt Show.